Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. Amen. That's all true. That's good stuff. Um, I saw that um, for much of my life. My father had that heart. Um, his fa- my father's dad died when my father was four years old, so he never really knew him. And the point of that is, is that he became the man of the house. He had his mom and his older sister, Nellie, who actually lived with us and, until she died back in uh, the early 80s. Uh, she lived with, with our family, with mom and dad. Um, and I think he learned at a very early age what service was all about. He was, he was always serving. He served his, he served his family. He, when he was four years old, uh, he, he would go out and uh, bring water from the well as best he could. And as he got older, he learned to do other things on the farm. They had a very small farm. He learned to gather eggs and pick vegetables, dig potatoes, uh, whatever needed to be done, he did. Uh, my dad and his mom and, and uh, his sister Nellie uh, actually took care of Middle Creek Methodist Church. It was called then. Uh, for 25 cents each per week, they would show up early and they would trim all the wicks on the uh, kerosene lanterns that were on the walls in the church for light. And they would stoke the big uh, pot-bellied stoves. I think there were a couple of them in the sanctuary to keep it warm in the winter time. And then they would clean up the church at the end of the day. And it was pretty much their Sunday uh, attending church and taking care of the church. And for that, they were paid. But they also worked really hard. Uh, and I think that stuck with him. And as he got older, he started serving the community in a lot of different ways. He was very much involved in the, in the uh, Tennessee Association of Rescue Squads, helped start it, started volunteer rescue squads all over the state and in some of the surrounding states. He was a, an ambassador for industry in Sevier County. He traveled all over, uh, pitching Sevier County to industry and, and brought a lot of industry uh, into the area. He served uh, First United Methodist Church of Sevierville for 37 years as the choir director until he could no longer do that. And my vertigo, I come honestly uh, by my vertigo, and uh, he had it as well. And it got to the point where he had to direct the choir sitting on a chair because he couldn't stand up. He wasn't stable anymore. But he continued to direct the choir and serve. And he always served. He was always serving. Uh, and then he decided to try to retire somewhere right about 80 years old. He died when he was 85. I think he was about 80, and I think it lasted two weeks. He was, he was under my mother's feet all the time and trying to tell her how to keep the house that she'd been keeping for, oh, you know, 60 years or so. And, uh, and he, you know, he didn't know what to do with himself. So he came on one day and said, Dorothy, uh, they're, they're looking for somebody to be a greeter at the Gatlinburg Visitor Center. And she said, you'll be great. It's perfect for you. Take it. <laughs> so, so 
he did, and he, and he did that. I didn't make much money. He never made a lot of money. Uh, he didn't, certainly didn't make a lot of money in small-town radio. And most of everything he did, he did because that was just who he was. That was who he was, and that was his purpose. And it finally got to the point that he could no longer drive up there and do that job. Um, Alzheimer's came a-calling, and uh, he, it, it shrunk his world, as Alzheimer's will do to the point that he could no longer get out much at all. And he would go out and continue. He served the squirrels and the birds, and he made sure that they had food uh, and actually fell in the backyard, precipitated pneumonia that finally killed him. Um, but he served. And, and without that, he was, he was sullen, and he did not know which way to go without an opportunity to serve. Serving was his purpose for being, in life, for, for being alive, whether he was serving his family or serving the community. Uh, that was what he did. And, and we all, deep down, need to know that we have, some, we have to have some sort of purpose for living, some meaning that's more than just going to work or going out to work in the yard or, or going to school, whatever our routine may be. Um, purpose Purpose is like GPS coordinates for our life. You know, when we have a purpose, we're locked into that purpose. And when distractions come and we run off the road or we get broken down on the side of the road, we still know which way to go. We know what our purpose is. And without that, life becomes very tedious. Viktor Frankl, who was a, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, wrote Man's, uh, uh, Man's Meaning, The Meaning of Life, what was it called? I forgot. I've only read it twice. Um, anyway, he wrote a wonderful book. Look it up. Viktor Frankl. Uh, he was an Auschwitz survivor. And the reason he survived it is because he was working on that manuscript. It was taken away from him. And so he tried to reconstruct it from memory. And that was his purpose. That was the way he survived Auschwitz, was working on that manuscript, even though he was doing most of it from memory because he didn't have anything to write with. That's what he thought about. That's what he did. That was his purpose. And it got him through the horrors of a concentration camp. Um, and he said this in that book. He said, in some ways, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds a meaning. And then he said this, life is never made unbearable by circumstances, but only by a lack of meaning and purpose. And it's really true. When we have a clear purpose in life, we can deal with distractions and we can deal with suffering and circumstances because we have that goal in front of us. Of course, for many of us, we're not sure what that purpose is. Uh, and we struggle with that, many of us, for a long time. What is the meaning of my life? What is the greater purpose for life? And so, so I would suggest that we go back to the one who, who created us. Uh, God made us. He knows us intimately, inside and out, knows more about us than we do. And maybe if we return to him, we can get some ideas about that. Because let's face it, God made us on purpose, with purpose, and for a purpose. You're not here as an accident. God didn't go, oops, there's Trotter. Uh, you, no, 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 no. He even meant to make me. And I know some of you are going, boy, that was a bad day, Lord. But he actually meant to make me, and he meant to make you. He did that on purpose, and he did it with a purpose because he had this plan that we were going to fit into. And then he created we also for a purpose, and you for a purpose, and that is to do this specific 
to live our life in a specific way that accomplishes his purposes. Now, we, we, of course, can choose to do that or not if we don't touch base with him every now and then. But my point is simply that we do have a purpose and a good starting point to find out what that purpose might be if we can understand that it, it comes from God. We came from God. We're here on purpose. We have a purpose. Maybe then we should look at a model. And who is our model for what it means to live with purpose as a human being, and that is, of course, Jesus. Yes, Jesus was God, but yes, Jesus was also fully a human being, and he lived as a human being on this planet to show us how it can be done. Uh, Also to save us, certainly, but he lived as a model for us. And so if we take Jesus then as a model for what it means to live as a human being with purpose, how would we figure that out? Well, We could ask him, and he will respond to us through, for instance, Mark 10, 45. These are Jesus' words about his purpose for being here. For even even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We're not called to do that. We are called to live sacrificially for others. If we want to know what the purpose of living was for the model human being ever, who also happened to be king of the universe, it was to serve. Serving should be the core impulse of anyone who follows Jesus. And I want you to hang on to that because there's a challenge coming later uh, that may or may not make you uncomfortable. And at this point, I've already been through all that, so if it does, so be it. It's not me. This is God at work here. Serving should be the core impulse of everyone who follows Jesus. And that is why uh, we come to this point in our sermon series, Why Church? A lot of people ask that question. Why is there the church? It seems like all they do is argue and bicker and say that these people are good and these people are bad and nothing but hypocrites. And we've all heard it all before about everything that's wrong with the church. And until God figures out a way to have a church with no people in it, there are always going to be problems in the church. But there are people in the church. You and me. And if we follow his lead, we can be the church that lives and serves according to his purpose. Now, for the past two weeks, we've talked about the first third, if you will, of our mission statement. That is sharing Christ, serving others, growing in faith. And we've talked about what it means to share Christ as individuals and what it means for the witness of the church to share Christ out into the community. And I hope that you, you ta- you're taking that uh, seriously because when we do that, we find much more meaning in our relationships when we find a way to share the love of Christ with those people uh, with whom we have relationships. So today we start two weeks on serving others. Today we're going to about, talk about serving outside the walls or serving the community because we're called to do, bo- uh, to do Uh, both. We serve both in the church and beyond the walls. And I believe that when we serve others, we begin to find our true purpose for being. Because when we serve in the name of Jesus Christ, we are living into whom he created us to be. And the church specializes in the recruitment, training, and deployment of servants who find their purpose in Christ by serving others. And there's no other organization on the planet that has that 
job and that has that mandate. There are lots of NGOs, non-government organizations. There are lots of wonderful organizations in Knox County. They do a lot of good for a lot of people. And hallelujah, that's fantastic. But the church is the place where we come and find our true purpose for living in Christ Jesus through serving others. It's utterly unique. And that's why church, that at least for today, that's why church. So I want to read a passage in a moment that is going to sort of be our anchor for a couple of minutes as we talk about what that might look like. And this is a passage that uh, is Jesus' words to the disciples from Matthew 25. And for, for perspective's sake, in Matthew 20, Matthew, the next chapter in the book of Matthew ends with Jesus' arrest. So we're really close here to the end for Jesus. And he goes through in chapter 24 and in the beginning of 25, he's talking about how difficult things are going to be in the end times. And we can take that as the end of all time or the end of his time on earth. There are lots of different ways to look at that, and that's not our theological quest today. He simply said, a time is coming, he was talking to his disciples, a time is coming whenever the temple is going to be destroyed, when people are going, you and others are going to be persecuted, and life is going to be very difficult. And he knew that they would need a purpose, something that would guide them like a GPS through all these distractions, through all the divisions, through all the upheaval to keep them on course and to keep them on task and to make sure they were following him even in his physical absence with a sense of purpose. And so these are the words he said to them. He told a story. He was so good at making up stories that told these deep truths. And I'm just going to pick up at the end of, of this story he tells. And many of you have heard this before, even if you haven't. The meaning is very clear. This is from Matthew 25, verses 34 through 40. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Of course, speaking of himself to them. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison, or go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And there are five different ways to break that down theologically. But we're going to take the, the big 30,000-foot view today that he is speaking to what it means to stay focused on kingdom initiatives, to stay focused on kingdom progress in a time when that's very difficult. And I believe this is a very contemporary thought for us because don't we live in times of upheaval and great division. And I'm not standing up here about to tell you that the end is near. I don't know when it's coming. When Jesus said nobody, I don't even, when Jesus said, I don't even know when the end is, 
good enough for me. I'm not even going to give it a second thought. What I'm going to do is what he is suggesting in this passage. And for those disciples who were in the midst of a mess with all sorts of divisions around them and even among them, all sorts of upheaval and persecution, he said, serve. And for those of us in the church, and particularly right now in the United Methodist Church, where there is some upheaval and there is division, and there are, there are people who are talking about making their own denomination. There's one that's even, that's even now started. It's an offshoot, a, a splinter of the United Methodist Church. And, 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 there's, and there is some misinformation going around about that. There's upheaval, and it's creating a lot of consternation uh, from people. And it can so easily take us off task. It's not that all that isn't important. It is. But right now, there's nothing anybody can do about it. We're not going to know until the powers that be, meaning general conference, when that happens, maybe next year, maybe the year after that. We're not even sure when they're going to get together and what they're going to do when they do. There's too much unknown. But this we know. And Will and I have been preaching this for three years now, since this really first got to be, a, it very seriously began to look like it was going to create a splinter or a division. Even then, and we were saying, nobody knows how this is going to play out. But this we do know. We are called to do what Jesus just told those disciples to do. Feed the hungry. Give water to the thirsty. Clothe the naked. Visit the ones in prison and sick. In other words, serve. This is how those disciples were going to live out their purpose in uncertain times. And this is exactly how we disciples are going to live out our purpose in uncertain times. We can't get ourselves distracted on what might happen. We know for sure that people are hungry and thirsty and lonely and sick. And they need somebody to serve them. And we are Christ's servants. So that's what we're going to focus on. If we stay focused on that, we're going to find great joy in our church regardless of what happens around us. And there are a couple of different ways, I believe, that we can do that. If we remember that by serving, we can restore hope and we can reveal God. I'm in on that. I hope that you are too. And here's what I mean. We can restore hope by putting skin on compassion, which is exactly what Jesus did. The world needs a lot more compassion and a lot less judgment. It needs a lot more affirmation and a lot, and a lot less venom uh, in conversations and on social media. It needs a lot more people saying, hey, how are you? Instead of, hey, who are you and what do you think you're doing? The world needs compassion. And compassion is, is passion put into motion. And that's what, that's what Jesus did. Compassion is passion in motion that restores hope. The most profound experience I've had, and I've told this story at some point, I know, maybe a couple of times. I don't know. I, I don't care. I, I love this story because it is singularly the most profound moment I've ever had in any sort of mission event. And this was on a mission trip we took with the youth, or adults and youth, on a trip down to D'Iberville, Mississippi, which is just north of Biloxi, where we uh, took, sent dozens of teams down to do a renewal after Hurricane Katrina. And one of those trips down, this was a good bit after Katrina had come, and there was the cleanup and the rebuild and all that. And we went down with the youth, and we, were, we thought we had a place to work on, but it turns out that didn't work out. So 
Robert Bedwell was on our mission team, and he went out in his truck, and he just drove neighborhoods, and he found a house that had a big blue tarp over what was left of the roof. There wasn't much there. He looked in the windows, and the house had been mucked, meaning all the sheetrock and flooring had been taken out, and it had been sprayed down with a bleach solution, I think is what they use to kill the mold. But it had been that way for months and months and months, and there was a, a little tattered pop-up trailer in the back where a woman was living. She had moved there with her husband following their children when they moved to the area. Katrina came, the children left. Her husband said, you know what? I didn't sign on for this. And he left her. And so she was there with their house that they still owned, trying to figure out what to do next. And she had lost hope. She couldn't get any help to get her house back in order. And so Robert talked to her and, and said, uh, uh, would you like to have someone maybe put your roof on and get you some siding or whatever? She said, I, I don't have that kind of money. And he said, well, would you like to have somebody fix your house? Well, of course I would. That's all I need to know. And, and he went and bought all the building materials. And we swarmed that house. I think it was about four days. And with the youth and the adults, we roofed the house, completely roofed it and, and did all the sheetrock. And it had just been studs for months and months and months. And here was the moment. This was the moment when she walked into the house on the last day and we were just finishing up the sheetrock. And she walked into her house and it was a small house and she's walking down the hallway with her arms out like this, touching the wall on each side. And she's just walking along and she said, I have walls. I have why, and she broke down in tears. So did we. It's all I can do not to weep now. It's, it was so beautiful. And the kids were crying, and we were crying because of the rest. So hope had been restored. Yes, she had walls, but more importantly, she had hope because some people from Tennessee came and lived out their purpose to serve and put skin on compassion and put it into motion, and hope was restored. And I told the kids in devotion that night, we talked to them, we said, don't ever let anyone tell you that you can't make a difference in somebody's life. Yeah, you gave her walls and a roof, but what you gave her was hope. You can restore hope by living out that purpose to serve, the purpose that is in all of us who follow Jesus Christ. Compassion is passion in motion that restores hope. We not only restore hope, but we reveal God when we do that. We wear t-shirts to make sure people know there's a cross on there somewhere to make sure they understand why we're there. We don't want people drawing attention to us. We don't want anybody to say, boy, that Concord Church, they did great stuff. We want people to say, God, God came and changed my life through these people who were willing to follow. And that's why we want to make sure God gets the credit for that. Because when you do those sorts of things in his name, he is revealed and that changes things. People find the goodness of God in your goodness toward others. And when they see that you're just there working because you believe in this God that you say has sent you, there's no way to argue against it. 
Pastor Mike and Pastor Sabina are way smarter than me, and they, they, can, they can do these apologetics, and, and they can make great arguments for Christianity, and I just wind up tongue-tying myself and run around a circle like a cat chasing its tail. I'm no good at that. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. If I show up at somebody's house, as theologically inept as I am, if I show up at somebody's house and I help put sheetrock up with some other people, and I say, you know what, we're here because, because God thought you needed some help and we just answered the call, then, then the reality of God and the truth of His love and the goodness of Him coming through people, you can't argue against that. There is no argument against it. It's just people working selflessly on behalf of this God who loves everybody and doesn't want anybody to suffer. And he wants hope to be restored. And he wants to be revealed in the process so they can find the source of that hope for themselves. It's so incredible. People find the goodness of God in your goodness toward others. And so when you choose to not enter into that toxic social media conversation or perhaps a toxic conversation in person, and when you choose to speak words of life and, and love to people instead of words of separation and division and hatred. When we choose to do that, we are choosing to show the goodness of God. There's a verse about that. Matthew 5, 15, 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We do it to help them, yes. We do it because there's this impulse to restore someone's hope. But we also do it to reveal God so they can find that hope for themselves. Why church? Why church? Because <laughs> we're the only ones that will do it that way. We're the only ones that do it with this greater, larger purpose. And we're the ones, we're the organization that can get you involved, that can get you introduced to Jesus Christ and help you start living out that purpose in Him and through Him that will transform you and transform others. It's just, it's, it's, it's all here. Um, you may have seen an article in the paper, Dolly Parton just won the Carnegie Medal for philanthropy. Um, and I, you know, back whenever she really wasn't all that big, she started off by giving scholarships to <laughs> ostensibly worthy students, uh, but I got one, so that kind of blew that theory. She gave scholarships to kids at Sevier County High School to go to UT, and I was the very first recipient of the Dolly Parton Scholarship Award, and I would love to tell you that every penny of it went to books and tuition, but I'm in church. <laughs> Most of it went to books and tuition. Hey, they, they made the mistake of giving me a check in my name, okay? That, they shouldn't have done that. But, I did the, but any, at any rate, it started with that. And did you know that when Whitney Houston recorded her song, I Will Always Love You, which of course turned out to be this massive global pop hit, and made Dolly a lot of money. You know, she, every penny of her royalties from that song went to buy a strip center in, um, in, a, a, in a tough 
economically suppressed part of Nashville so that they could open businesses that people there could afford to trade with. Did you know that? She gave all of her money to that. She gives away a million books a week with her, at this point in her imagination library. And that's just, that's just too, and nobody knows everything she does because she doesn't like to draw attention to herself. She accepted this medal because she just wants to encourage other people to give as well. But here's her, in her, in her acceptance speech, she said this. She said, I don't have a strategy for donations. I just give from my heart. I just see a need, and if I can fill it, I will. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, that's it. I give from my heart. I give because of what's in my heart, she says. I see a need. If I can do something about it, I feel it. That's discipleship. That's what this is all about. It all comes from here. I don't know. I, 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 uh, Jane told me this the other day. You know, we have a fabulous missions department at this church. It's not a department. It's, it's the lifeblood of our church, let's face it. Missions is, missions is the blood that pumps through our church, and it's, it's incredible. And Jane Curran is our phenomenally called and gifted missions director, and, and she's really good about the relational piece of it. She's also very crafty in a really good sort of way. Um, there, she's been working with Care Cuts, and it's an organization, among other things, they give haircuts to persons living on the street uh, or uh, persons who don't have any place to live and other people who are just having a hard time. And they've expanded that now to try to give them clothing. And, and somebody had arranged for them to get these new steel-toed shoes and boots. And here was the problem. They can't give that to people living on the street because they could be, they could be assaulted over it. People on the street don't wear new stuff. People on the street don't wear nice stuff because somebody else living on the street will take it away from them if they're bigger than they are. And so Jane was in this conversation with him, and Jane said, well, you know, you could bring it to our thrift store, and we can sell it in the thrift store, and we can just trade you a bunch of stuff that they would like, some used hoodies and T-shirts and jeans and shoes and boots and stuff that no one would particularly want, but will help them. And so she arranged this trade with them. Because that's what Jane does. And through Jane's ministry, so many other people pick up on that same thing. It's all, it's all the heart. Jane does it because it all comes out of here, and people follow that. She's just following Jesus. She's living out her purpose just. But that's what she does. And look at the transformation that happens. Look at the way hope is restored and God is revealed in all these different things that our missions department does. So here, here's where we end. Where are you serving? I'm serious. Where are you serving? And here's why that's so important. Because, first of all, we need you. We need everybody. There are no spectators. But if you're not serving, there is no way, and this is not my thought, this is from God, from the Bible, there is no way to fully live out our purpose as a follower of Jesus Christ, if we're not serving, can't be done. Now, limitations, I understand that. Got a phone? Can you send an email? Can you encourage someone with a phone call or an email? Can you come help build a Habitat house? Can you hum, come bag some sweet potatoes? I, I don't know. But are you serving? And here's the other thing. 
Serving is the way we feel most intimately connected with Jesus. Remember, he said, when you did this for the least of these, you did it for me. You want to see Jesus? Go help somebody who can't help themselves. You know, Mother Teresa, she was on the fast track to be a big shot nun. You know, she was smart, she was called, she was crafty as well. Brilliant woman. And she was on her way to be the nun of all nuns until she found out about people dying alone in the street in Calcutta. And she jumped off the fast track to be super nun and started her order in Calcutta. And their single job was to be with people, to take them off the street as they breathe their last breath so nobody has to die alone. Why did she do it? Very clear. She said, because when I looked at their face, I saw Jesus, and I was never the same. And we may not have that kind of an experience, but I promise you, when you, when you help, when you do that, when you give yourself away like that, Jesus will be right there, and you will see him and experience him in a way heretofore unknown. We serve. It's the core impulse of all who follow Jesus. May we accept the call to go serve wherever we can and however we can, starting and however long this hymn is, right after that, that's when we start. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you so much for entrusting us with your gospel, not just in words that we say, but in things that we do that proclaim it so beautifully and, and in such an, an articulate way. God, help us to accept the challenge, to look for Jesus and the people around us, and to serve them and know that we are also serving him. We'll be transformed as we help transform the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.